0: Back, I read a book called Dinner with a Perfect Stranger. And in this book, the author was asking the reader to imagine, use imagination to imagine what it would be like to receive this special invitation, an invitation to meet for a meal with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Uh, one-on-one dinner with Jesus. Not not Jesus in robes and sandals, but Jesus you know wearing clothes like we're wearing now, Uh, different clothes maybe, but same Jesus, God in the flesh, one on one meal with you. Can you imagine that? Can you can you imagine maybe what you would say, or what Jesus would say to you? Uh, Maybe you can't. Maybe. You don't have that kind of imagination. Or maybe you do imagine it, but you have mixed feelings about it. Because, well, you're not so sure Jesus would really want to meet with you. I mean, after all, uh, you've let him down in some big ways. I got some good news for you. I have good news that Jesus does want to meet with you, And that Jesus is eager to do it and has nothing but love for you. And you know what? If you take Jesus up on this offer, it will be the best thing that ever happened to you. I know that because the Bible is full of stories of Jesus having dinner with people. And in each one of these stories, the person who had this meeting with Jesus walked away and it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Uh, Let's talk talk about one of those stories. It's uh, found uh, in the Gospel of Luke. You might want to turn there in your Bible or your device to Luke chapter uh, 19. And this account uh, centers on a man named Zacchaeus who is a tax collector. Now, today, tax collectors are not popular Uh, I read an article by someone who currently works for the Internal Revenue Service, and uh, he wrote about all the lengths he needs to go to in order to avoid telling people what he does for a living. He uh, tells people that he works for the government, or he tells people that he's involved in federal funding, or he'll say, I work in a big building that gets really busy in April, you know, that kind of thing. And... Uh, He does anything he can to avoid telling people that he's a tax collector, because if he's at a party and someone finds out that he works for the IRS, that person suddenly becomes really nervous and really eager to go talk to somebody else. Well, in Jesus' day, tax collectors were not unpopular. They were hated. And so they were hated because they were considered traitors who worked for the Roman government, who... Kept the people of Israel oppressed by taxing them into poverty. But not everybody was poor. Tax collectors like Zacchaeus, who we'll meet in a moment, were rich. Rich because tax collectors could use threats and violence and prison cells to extort as much money as they wanted from people. After Rome got its share, tax collectors could keep whatever was left over. So Zacchaeus was a hated man, a greedy man, a lonely man, and his story is found here in Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 1. because I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Later at dinner, Zacchaeus stood up and said to Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the story of Zacchaeus and his dinner with a perfect stranger. And this story has it all. It has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end and It has a concluding twist. That's right. The story ends with a surprise twist. But let's start with the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story is about a tree. Uh, When you study the beginning of this story, you find a lot of interesting details about Zacchaeus' height and stuff like that. But the focal point is the tree and how this grown man climbed a tree. Any Sunday school kid knows that tree climbing is what makes this Bible story unique. Zacchaeus is a favorite Sunday school story because all kids can relate with a guy who climbs a tree. Now today, only kids climb trees. Uh, It would be strange and amusing to see a Wall Street banker in a dark suit and a tie climbing a tree. Well, guess what? The idea of a grown man climbing a tree was strange and amusing in Jesus' day too. One reason Zacchaeus' story is recorded here in Luke is because nobody could forget that day. Remember it? When that grown man did something so childlike Here's this Zacchaeus who's really rich and who's really dressed up and who's really powerful, maybe even a mean way, and he's seen scampering up tree limbs so that he can, like a school kid, get a look at Jesus. It was not dignified for a man to climb a tree, but Zacchaeus was willing to be like a child in order to connect with Jesus. And we're meant to notice how Jesus gravitates to people who are willing to be childlike. After all, Jesus says on several occasions, including Matthew 18, verse 3, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does Jesus mean when he tells me that I have to be like a little kid. What is Jesus calling me to do and to be when he calls me to be like a little child? Let me suggest a few thoughts here, starting with first, Jesus is calling me to believe. God does not call me to be gullible, but God has arranged things so that the only people who have a relationship with him are those people who are willing to be childlike enough to believe. To believe in a God I cannot see. Believe that this invisible God became a visible man 2,000 years ago and died for my sins and rose from the dead and still wants to have a meal with people like me and you. It's not childish to believe in God, but it is childlike and Zacchaeus in that tree shows me that a relationship with Jesus involves this willing willingness to look unsophisticated undignified even childlike in my belief in Jesus next when Jesus calls me to be childlike Jesus is calling me to be dependent have you ever noticed how physical growth is the opposite of spiritual growth. Physical growth is the process of becoming more and more independent from my parents and and other people. But spiritual growth is the opposite. It's the process of becoming more and more dependent on God. To grow in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, I must learn how to have this childlike dependence on a heavenly father. Spiritual growth is becoming more and more dependent on this father's love, on this father's leading, on this father's power indwelling me. Next, when Jesus calls me to be childlike, Jesus is calling me to be unpretentious. (laughs) Isn't it great how kids have a wonderful lack of pretense Kids don't care about impressing people. Kids don't care if eating a Popsicle turns their lips this violent shade of purple. Uh, Kids are naturally real and honest and authentic. And this is what it takes to grow in a real relationship with God. Let me show you what I mean. I I have here a collection of real letters written by real grade school kids to God that show what a real relationship with God looks like. For instance, a real relationship with God is honest. Like Joyce, who writes this. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Joyce. Here's a, uh, here's a letter from an honest kid who's wise beyond her years. She says, dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. (laughs) Man, all right. Here's a here's a good request, Uh, dear God. Please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. (laughs) Son, Ginny. Uh, here's a guy with a request that has a story behind it, I'm sure. Uh, Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp uh, this year. <laughs> Signed, Peter. And uh, here's a letter from a kid who's confident enough to offer some advice to God. Uh, Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. <laughs> it works with my brother. That's Larry. Uh, that's Larry. And uh, here's another one. Uh, Dear God, we read that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school they said you did it. So, I bet he stole your idea. (laughs) That's uh, Donna. Here's a letter uh, that gives God some reassurance. Uh, God, uh, if you let the dinosaur not go extinct, we wouldn't have a country. You did the right thing. (laughs) You did the right thing, Jonathan says. Uh, Here's a... uh, Another letter, I think, like from a future politician. It says, uh, dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know. But I'm not just saying that because you are God, uh, says Charles. And uh, I love this one because it shows the childlike spirit of a relationship that God wants with us. Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. That's Mickey D., Yep, maybe he's wearing nothing else, but he's got those shoes. (laughs) And now a letter uh, to God that I think that we can all agree with. Dear God, I keep waiting for spring, but it never comes yet. Don't forget. (laughs) That's Mark. I think we would agree with Mark, wouldn't we? I think we agree with Mark on that one. Yeah, these letters are humorous, but they have a serious point about a relationship with God. These letters show what it looks like when I have an unpretentious relationship with God. God wants a relationship with me where I'm real, not phony, where I'm honest, not self-censoring and posturing. God wants me to have the luxury of one relationship where I don't need to act Where I don't need to impress, but I can be completely free to be myself. When Zacchaeus climbs that tree, he shows me what a real relationship with Jesus involves. It involves my willingness to come to him with an unpretentious spirit of a child. How are you doing with that? How are you doing? Do you have this kind of relationship with Jesus that sets you free from having to impress people in your life? Do you have this relationship with Jesus that gives you this childlike self-forgetfulness sometimes where you just find yourself just giggling just in that relationship with Jesus? Do you have that or have you lost it? Have you lost that childlike spirit? Maybe you never had it. Well, Jesus wants to bless you with that kind of joy in a relationship with him. So the beginning of the Zacchaeus story is about a tree and how a relationship with Jesus involves the joy of a childlike spirit. Next comes the middle of the story. The middle of the story is about a truth. The middle of the story is about how Jesus saw Jack Zacchaeus, and then invited himself over for dinner. And there's a very important truth in this middle section. But in order to get the full impact of the truth, I need to notice how the story ends. The story ends with Zacchaeus proclaiming that he's a changed man. Right in the middle of the dinner, he he proclaims that he's changed. At the end, Zacchaeus is changed through his dinner with Jesus. But That's the end of the story. What's Zach like in the middle of the story when Jesus invites him to dinner? He's a crook. He's a creep. He's a guy who has no good works, no friends, no right to expect anything good from God. And yet, in the middle of the story, when Zach is still a creep, Jesus smiles and looks up to him and says, I want to spend time with you. I want to meet with you. I want to have a meal with you, Zacchaeus. And the way Jesus invites Zacchaeus to dinner teaches me a life-changing truth. The truth is that Jesus is eager. He eagerly seeks friendship with me as I am right now. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that because there's a part of me that feels like a spiritual failure, Uh, like I don't quite measure up to God's expectations of me. You know, a few minutes ago, I was over here at this table and just inviting you to imagine an invitation, an invitation between you and Jesus to, to meet together and maybe like you, there was lurking within you a little whisper that said something like this, Jesus doesn't want to meet with me, at least not right now. I mean, if I can clean up a little bit, uh, maybe, but I've let him down too many times. And you know, if I make some changes in my life, you know, maybe I can have this kind of friendship with him, but not now. Jesus wouldn't want me the way I am right now. That is a lie. And it's the lie that keeps me from this spiritual friendship, this life-giving spiritual friendship that Jesus is so eager to have with me. The truth is that Jesus eagerly seeks friendship with me as I am right now. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that word for rest implies home. It implies a place where you belong. The place where you're always accepted and always loved. And Jesus says, come to me right now. Don't don't worry about trying to change yourself. Just come right now and find rest in me. Find belonging. Find acceptance. Find home. With me. So let's talk about a practical step, right? Uh, I'm going somewhere with this, and that is a practical step that I'd love to have you consider for this week. And here it is I'm gonna ask you to schedule a meal. Schedule a meal with Jesus. I want you to decide right now that you're going to schedule a meal with Jesus. It can be breakfast, it can be lunch, it can be dinner, it can be a snack for crying out loud. You know I think this idea of having a meal with Jesus is really cool but if you don't want to do a meal just decide to spend a few quiet moments apart to meet with Jesus this week sometime this week. And you might say, "Well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when I have this meal with Jesus?" Three things. First, number 1, eat. After all, it's a meal. <laughs> Two, read about Jesus in the Bible. You know, maybe you don't need to have necessarily a hard copy with you. You can just have the Bible on your smartphone. Read it there. Maybe read uh, one of the accounts of Jesus having a meal with somebody. Or just read a, a passage of Scripture about Jesus in the Gospels. And when you do that, interact with the Jesus who is written about there. Because he's alive and he's with you in that moment. Which leads to the third thing. When you get together for a meal with Jesus converse with Jesus. That means talk to Jesus and listen. Listen to Jesus. Decide right now to have at least one meal with Jesus this week. You know, maybe it'll be lunch in the break room where you work. Or maybe it'll be breakfast at uh, Panera. I'm going to a nice uh, French restaurant uh, because Jesus is paying. And uh, it's because I work for him. So... Don't try that yourself. Uh, It's a business lunch. Uh, Remember this truth. The truth is that Jesus eagerly seeks friendship with you as you are right now. Don't listen to that voice that says, you're not good enough. Which leads to the end of Zacchaeus' story. The end of the story is about a transformation. Transformation. Zacchaeus changes from bad to good, from a taker to a giver. But notice the order of things. Zacchaeus is transformed through meeting with Jesus, not before. You see, this key principle explains why it is so self-defeating for me to say, you know, I can't meet with Jesus until I change up a little bit and improve my life. This thought Pattern is so destructive because my life is transformed through meeting with Jesus, not before. I can't transform in order to have a meeting with Jesus. It's the meeting where I get transformed. And when I do meet with Jesus, I am transformed. Each time I meet with Jesus, I'm internally renovated like Zacchaeus was. And I'm recommending you do this kind of meeting with Jesus, you know, some way, some form every day. But if you don't get a chance to do that, don't feel guilty. Jesus is just eager to meet with you. But each time I spend a few moments meeting with Jesus over Scripture, in conversation, I'm transformed. I'm transformed by this divine love, just like Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus was transformed such that he interrupted his dinner with Jesus, standing up and announcing that uh, he was giving half his possessions and fourfold to anyone he had cheated. And I think I know what changed Zacchaeus. Uh, I think Zacchaeus was transformed by the experience of having one person actually completely accept him. He knew what it was all like to be hated and despised, and that caused him to overflow with this kind of greed and financial abuse upon others. But his meeting with Jesus, Zacchaeus experienced rest for his soul. He experienced someone who completely loved him, completely accepted him, and completely forgave him. That's so important I'm here. He experienced forgiveness. He found a home where he was completely loved. And what he received from Jesus overflowed in him in a spirit of generosity in Jesus' name. He said, look, Lord, I will give out of the overflow of what you have given to me. And if you are a regular attender here at BlackRock, Each week, we encourage you to do the same thing, to reflect the love you've received in Jesus by being generous in Jesus' name. That's why our worship includes an offering. Just like Zacchaeus, we're saying, look, Lord, your love has changed me from a taker to a giver. Look, Lord, your love, your generosity to me has given me an overflow of generosity in your name. I can't help it. I just want to say thank you. Zacchaeus was transformed by the realization of how much he was loved and accepted. And I think I know the moment when that realization exploded in his heart and mind. I think the moment of his realization came at the concluding twist in the story. The story concludes with a twist. I think the moment that Zacchaeus really understood how much he was loved by God was the moment in verse 10 when Jesus says, Today salvation has come to you, Zacchaeus, because I came to seek and save the lost. So when Jesus said these words, Zacchaeus realized the twist. In his story, Zacchaeus went up the tree to get a look at Jesus. But the surprise twist in the story is that in the midst of this crowd, it was Jesus who was looking for him. Zacchaeus thought that what drove him up that tree was his desire to look at Jesus. But by the end, he realized that something else was driving him up that tree. It was the love of a seeking Savior friend who loved him. And this is the twist in your story today. If you're listening to me right now, I know something about you. I know that you have a desire, whether large or small, to see Jesus. That's why you're here, or that's why you've tuned in online. But here's the twist. You think you're here to look for Jesus. But the twist is that God drew you for this moment, in this holy moment, because Jesus is looking For you. In the midst of this crowd, Jesus says to you what he said to Zacchaeus. Jesus smiles and calls out your name and says, I want to spend time with you. I want to have a meeting with you. I want to have a meal with you. How about it? Will you have a dinner? with a perfect stranger, a perfect savior, the perfect friend you've been looking for. Let's pray. So there's two groups you know, right now, and let me just first talk to the group A, and you're the group, you've had a, a relationship with Jesus for a long time, but you've been holding back. Who knows why exactly, but you're ready for a fresh start. Would you just receive Jesus afresh and decide this week you're going to have a meal with Jesus and you're going to start over? There's also group B. You're here and uh, you don't know if you've ever really had a relationship with Jesus before. Well, the twist of the story is all about the fact that Jesus right now is looking for you. Would you just right now reach back to him? Would you... Start that friendship with him. And I'll tell you how you start it. It's by just responding to the forgiveness that Zacchaeus responded to. So if you'd like to start that friendship with Jesus, let me just recommend that you say something like this, just in the quiet between you and God. Say, God, I want that friendship. So I receive your forgiveness and your love like a gift through my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. And I want to follow you in this friendship the rest of my days. Would you please stand now as we close? Again, this is a a holy moment and uh, just before you go, I'd just like to give you a chance. Whether you're group A or group B, To just receive Jesus. Just like Zacchaeus received Jesus in his home. Would you receive Jesus right now? Just in the quiet. Express that to him now. He's here, he's looking for you. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here right now. And now thank you for your eagerness to meet with us this week over a meal or just meet with us anytime because you're so eager to have this friendship with us. Send us out in that joy. We pray in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. See you next time.